Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We are coming right back to your statewide phone calls. That's the way we do things every Friday. You follow our lead Monday through Thursday. We follow yours. We listened many, many years ago. You said, DG, the lines are always busy. I have something to contribute and I can't get in quickly enough. Well, we created Free For All Friday to allow you maybe to jump in on something where the lines were busy earlier this week. We got into a lot of great things. NFL, college football, great guests, Major League Baseball coming down the stretch, NASCAR's playoffs are underway, NHL training camps are back. I do have more breaking news for you. Just as earlier today, Panthers, former Panthers wide receiver Torrey Smith, the two-time Super Bowl champion, announced his retirement on social media. Three-time NBA champion Sean Livingston, guard with the Golden State Warriors most recently, announced on social media today that he is retiring after his 15 seasons in that league. All of our guests are in the books for the entirety of this week. You can be next and steer our ship anywhere you'd like to visit in the sports universe. It can be a question. It can be a comment. It can be a complaint. 1-800-849-2761. You have a better chance of me answering your complaint here on the air than if you email me or tweet at me now or over the course of the weekend. Marshall is in Wilmington and next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great, man. What's on your mind? I just want to speak on uh, Ken Newton. Um, he was probably the best third and one quarterback in, in the history of the NFL. Maybe. However, at the stage he's at now at 30 years old, and now they're expecting him to change his game, I don't really think it's fair to anyone to have the expectation that he's going to be able to do that. In fact, last night, Coach Troy Aitman made the comment that Ken Newton's been known to miss passes down throughout his career. Oh, for sure. That's no, yeah, that's no surprise. I mean, you seriously, if you were like the owner of the Panthers' right-hand man, Marshall in Wilmington, you are speaking to him about the number one decision that this franchise has to make. Who is Cam Newton? What can he be still, even now that he's in his 30s and he's had surgeries and he's taken all those hits? Again, the most hits for any quarterback in modern NFL history, and it's not even close. Can he still be the dual threat cam is converting those third and one, fourth and one, short yarded situations, using that 250-pound body to his advantage? Norv Turner was hired to make him a more diverse passer, and it worked. I mean, he was a higher completion percentage guy before getting hurt last year. But I, I share your skepticism, Marshall. How far up that ladder can he go? Can Cam in his 30s really become more of a pure pocket passer? I have my doubts, and you mentioned Troy Aikman one comment last night. I don't know if you remember the one after the three and out. He said accuracy is the number one thing you must have to be a standout quarterback in the NFL, and Cam Newton is really struggling with that right now, and this is a guy in his ninth year in the league. So either something's bothering him physically that will get better and his accuracy will get better as a result, or Cam is just going to be a horrible fit for this revised job description at the quarterback position. Remember that last year, Cam Newton completed 68% of his passes. That was a guy who was stuck in the 50s. I mean, the year after his MVP season, he completed 53% of his throws. That is horrendous by NFL standards. You know, some of these guys, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, they get up there in the 70% range. Cam was barely above 50. 
So, of course, what, what made him MVP, what makes him dangerous, what enabled him to lead Auburn to a national championship, what helped him lead the Panthers to a 15-1 and regular season and a trip to the Super Bowl, that was four years ago. Yeah, it's four years younger, four years healthier. What can he do now that he's 30? He does need better offensive line play. None of these observations are made in a vacuum. But the number one takeaway from last night, really two weeks now, is that Cam is throwing poorly, and they aren't even hardly asking him to run at all. And I share your skepticism about that job description being the right one for Cam Newton. It's not like the guy's 38, right? I know there's a lot of tread off that tire because of the hits he's taken and the way he puts his body in jeopardy. But you better be willing to ask a 30-year-old Cam Newton, and next year, a 31-year-old. For those who don't know, he is signed through the 2020 campaign. So this is his next to last year on his $20 million plus a year deal with the Carolina Panthers. You must. You can't do anything else as an organization. If you're David Tepper, the owner, Marty Herney, the GM, Ron Rivera, assuming he continues to be the coach, you can't make any other decision before you make what is Cam? What does he have left? What will that style of play be? And is he a good fit for it? You have this season to figure that out because it's not like you let your starting quarterback go all the way to the end of his contract and then decide what to do most of the time. So 2019 is the stage, and the early returns are not good. There are 14 more games to play. We'll see where it goes, but this is, this is as big a fork in the road as the Panthers have had in the history of their franchise. There's no doubt about it. Can they make something of this season? That's the front burner. A little bit closer to the back burner is how much longer is Cam the right guy and with what job description? 1-800-849-2761. Let me try Charlie in Burlington. You're next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, DG. How are you? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? Doing all right. I'd like to redeem, I'd like to redeem Burlington on the fashion compliments. I think <laughs> part of that is on his fashion sense is I don't think there's many in Burlington that and let me just add let let me add this like there's somebody saying i have painted all north carolinians one way or all burlington people one way no i'm not doing that i I know you're not saying that but i just want to make clear the the observations that i made people who are making too much out of hats they wouldn't wear clothes they wouldn't wear accessories they wouldn't wear do not realize the racially charged nature of their accusations if it's something to do with cam's leadership or anything else that affects his play on the field we can talk about it i'm tired of the racially charged stuff about what he wears i'm just i'm just over it and i'm never going to apologize for calling out racism where i see it large or small i'm just never going to do it i will die with a smile on my face i don't care how many people are mad at me i'm not painting with a broad brush i celebrate most north carolinians but man there's a there's a wicked wicked weave of racism still uh, as proven by virtually everywhere you're willing to look in modern American society and the idea that so many people are just uh, turning a blind eye to it or sticking their ostrich head in the sand or even denying. Yeah, I, I think Cam should dress like me. I'm going to mock him because he dresses the way his friends dress. Yeah, that there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, not in your neighborhood there's not anything wrong with it because nobody, none of your friends probably know better. That's where it is, or relatives maybe. I mean, I, I'm sad for those people but they're not going to die without me asking them to wake up. That's for damn sure. Go ahead, Charlie. Sorry for the digression. No, no, no. I, I, I appreciate it, and it's frustrating that fans who are frustrated choose to target that in their frustration. It's just anyway, a shame, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the injuries of 
uh, uh, Cam Newton, and is there are there deeper issues with his shoulder, or perhaps more so in particular his foot from the preseason that the Panthers aren't letting on? And I was hoping that you could educate us on what maybe the Panthers, in theory, owe us as a fan base. I mean, Ron's yeah. post-game press conference yeah. last night was almost defiant that the foot was not a right. issue when people were questioning the play call selection. But I feel like this is a fair ask from the uh, from the fan base. I mean, we've lost eight straight. Cam hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in four games now. And would this not be a better approach to the fan base for maybe some more transparency if it is an issue? Because as you've alluded to on this, on this program today, Greer and Allen are probably not going to be a much better solution. Yeah, it's and funny. I'm a big transparency guy. I'm also realistic about the limits of transparency. I always give the example, you know, uh, grandma asks you how the, the uh, cookies are and they're bad cookies, you know, uh, I'm in favor of telling the truth in virtually every context, but you might not want to ruin grandma's day by telling her how bad her cookies actually are. So that's like, uh, well, if you make an exception for that, DG, who knows what else you're going to lie about, right? And I think this is a similar situation. Generally speaking, I'm totally in favor of transparency. In this case, I understand why the Panthers don't want to share everything because there's a competitive disadvantage to being completely transparent, right? You don't want opposing defenders to know what's bothering Cam. What if his shoulder is perfectly fine, but one of his feet is bothering him? Man, in this league, you better be ready to wear your big boy boots at all times because whether it's at the bottom of a pile or somebody aiming for your foot or aiming for your shoulder, uh, there are plenty of dudes who will do it if it's the difference between winning and losing or knocking you out of the game. Now, you, as a, if you ran the Panthers, Charlie, you are obligated to follow NFL rules. So, you know, in your injury report, you can't totally lie. You know, you can, you can mask it the way they do in hockey all the time, upper body, lower body, that's all they say. Why? They don't want opponents to know the details because it's a competitive disadvantage type thing. So you have to follow the rules. And, and we live in a world where most football players will tell you they don't feel 100%. So, all right, you know, my as I get older, I can tell you this, more joints bother me more. I, I felt like I was bionic at 40 years old. I would read what other guys a little older than I would say, that, you know, this hurts or that hurts or I'm at the doctor again or I need surgery on this. And at 40 years old, I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, I, I felt like I was 22 and, and just a little bit older in certain ways. Well, now the injury report would include, well, my neck hurts, my left shoulder hurts, my knee hurts, my hip hurts, and I get it. I mean, I play around a round of golf and something hurts, right? Well, in football players' case, they'll tell you that the nature of the sport is such that they're never truly 100%. So what rises to the level of you telling the team doctor, yeah, you're going to have to list me as probable? Or, I mean, they've changed these words over the years, but questionable, probable, all that stuff. Um, full transparency, probably. I understand you asking as a fan, Charlie, it's a very good question. But if you were on the other side of the fence, do you see the incentive to not be fully transparent with your own fan base? Maybe he let melt me go, but you get the point. I appreciate the call representing Burlington with this distinction. Charlie, 1 800 849 2761. Let me try Jonathan and Charlotte. As long as he doesn't want to talk about Cam Newton's clothes, we'll be ready to go. What's going on, Jonathan? Hey, I've been tuning in to you for about four or five months, David. Love your show. Thank but you. I really appreciate what you say because you bring up topics that make me analyze my own thoughts and my own prejudices, and that's what it's all about. It's not about sports all the time, and I love the way you bring it all together. Thank you. 
I mean, that, that, and that's and I've been listening to you for four or five months, and you know, you, you bring up these these issues that force you. I mean, if you're really a good person, or try to be a good person, to look at your own prejudices and and views on on race and gender and all those. And I I just really appreciate it. Well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I had to go through this journey myself, right? I mean, I was raised in the 1970s. Anybody who doesn't think that there were occasional members of the extended Glenn family who said the wrong things or made uh, fundamentally wrong observations, I grew up with some negative influences myself. I'm not talking about in my own household. But, for example, in 2018, somebody that I care about dearly was in my neighborhood and saw a couple of teenage white dudes walking down the sidewalk. No comment whatsoever. Saw a couple of teenage black dudes walking down the sidewalk and said out loud, this is a fundamentally good person, a good dad, a good husband, a good grandfather, etc. Fundamentally good person. Treats all of those he comes into contact with personally with respect, regardless of race, religion, or anything else, nationality. But said, what are those two guys doing in this neighborhood? And, and seriously, many who carry race, racist feelings have no idea that that's a racist comment. It's, it's the definition of prejudice. The two teenage white boys walked by and you said nothing. The two teenage black guys, same neighborhood, same sidewalk, you said, what are those guys doing in this neighborhood? Well, you know, <laughs> the neighborhood is 15% black. And, you know, that means that... The people walking by might be a similar percentage, but that doesn't mean those two dudes don't have a right to be here. The only reason you would ask why are those guys there is if you have a prejudicial negativity towards skin color or in other contexts, race or orientation or something else. There are a lot of really good people who would have asked that same question, and they would be offended if you said that's racist. And my response to that is good. You need to be offended. Because it is racist. It's patently racist. It's beyond argument racist. You can, you can invite any professor in America on this show, and they're all going to tell you the same answer to that question. It's patently racist. You're, you're prejudging the white teenagers and saying, no big deal, nothing to see here. And you're prejudging the black teenagers by saying, what are they doing in this neighborhood? You know, implying they shouldn't be there. When, of course, they're a, they're a smaller percentage of the population, so they're going to be a smaller percentage of the neighborhood, etc. There are many, many people who cannot see the racism in the example that I just gave. And, and that is like on page one of, of what is racism, and yet they'll still deny it and they'll be offended. Oh, I, 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 I didn't mean it. Uh, it. All right, well, reflect. Get better. Don't die an ignorant racist. Reflect on it. You, now you have it had, you've been offered a chance to look at it from a different angle. You can digest it or you can cry yourself to sleep and claim, you know, make somebody else the bad guy for raising the issue. Or you can try to turn a better page, make the country a better place. Die not ignorant and racist. Be a better version of yourself. Seriously, that's how simple some of this stuff is. There's plenty of complicated aspects to this equation. That's about as basic as it gets, and it happens every single day. All over the sports world, somebody will tell me there's as much racism against white people in this world as against people of color. Really? When's the last time a white hockey player was called out for being white? Because I can give you a long list of the black hockey players that have to deal with certain expletives from NHL fans. When's the last time a white quarterback was called out for being white? 
I can show you a Georgia quarterback that was called an N-word by a member of his own fan base. I mean, the sports world itself is, is teeming with examples of this stuff. And yet there are ignorant people, truly not knowing, saying, oh, yeah, there's just as much racism against white people as against people of color. I mean, you're, you're living in a fantasy land that doesn't exist. It doesn't mean there can't be racism against anybody. Of course there can. If you're prejudging somebody because of their white skin, that's not good either. But the idea that there's as much, I mean, wow. You're listening to some con artists and some snake oil salesmen. They must have something they're trying to sell you because they sure as hell aren't telling you the truth. 1-800-849-2761. Free for All Friday continues with more football and more phone calls. Eric is in Asheville. Al is in Burlington. Cruiser is in Curry Beach. Gary's in Wilson. Don's in Chapel Hill. Who knows where we'll go next? Anywhere but Cam Newton's hat, clothes, and accessories and hairstyle. Anywhere but there. Next on the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Blue You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show, 1-800-849-2761. Let me try to get through a few quickly. Gary, Dan, Cruiser, Sam, Al, Gary and Wilson. I think we can get through this one quickly. He's been waiting a while. Gary, welcome to the David Glenn Show. You clearly heard my reference to Chaz Surratt converting from quarterback to linebacker at UNC and facing his brother, Sage Surratt, wide receiver for Wake Forest. That game is 6 o'clock tonight, ESPN. Did you have some trivia along those lines? We don't see a lot of quarterback to defensive conversions over the years, do we? Yes. In celebration of Surratt's role at UNC, who is the most famous Tar Heel quarterback who converted to linebacker during a season, and a hint, it goes back to the Bill Dooley era. All right. The only, the only answer I have would be, and I didn't know if it was linebacker or not. I thought it was defensive back because he's a smaller guy. The current commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference did convert from Tar Heel quarterback to Tar Heel defensive player way back. Now, I forget what position because I was probably like three years old, but that did happen. Is that the correct answer? Yes, linebacker. It was almost 50 years ago, Johnny Swafford. That's, that's good stuff, man. That's from the archives trivia. The only reason I even know the answer is that I've been studying ACC stuff for 30-plus years. So I guess that's a byproduct of the job. I, used to, I always say giving out prizes, otherwise useless trivia information turns into David Glenn Show prize closet prizes. Uh, in this case, I was able to answer Gary's trivia question. As always, we thank you, Gary, for your loyal listenership. Dan, is it? Dan in Chapel Hill, you're next on the David Glenn Show. He has college football on his mind. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Uh, first of all, I want to say love what you had to say about Cam earlier. I really appreciate that. More of sure. that needs to be said. Sure. Um, uh, going into the season, Zach Thomas uh, at Appalachian State, their quarterback, was praised to be one of the top of the G5. Some even calling him a Heisman nomination sleeper. I know that is more than far-fetched. But what do you think going into the rest of the season, particularly with games uh, at North Carolina and at South Carolina, 
uh, you'd like to see from Zach Thomas in that space. Wouldn't that be and amazing? At, I mean, um, yeah, the good news there is he has those opportunities, right, against the Tar Heels and against the Gamecocks. App State happens to be open this week, so Eli Drinkwitz, the new head coach, is already kind of out the gate strongly. He's an offensive guru. He inherited a starting quarterback in Zach Thomas that Dan is describing right now. You know how impossible almost it is for somebody outside the Power Five to win the Heisman. I can't say it has never happened because it has happened, but you all know the deal. If somebody has big enough numbers, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tungavailoa, somebody else, if somebody has big enough numbers for a top 10 team that's maybe a college football playoff contender, then even if you have outrageous numbers at App State of the Sun Belt, you're probably going to get knocked down the ladder. But it's a fun story to follow because most first-year head coaches don't have high expectations. And one of the reasons that Eli Drinkwitz does at App State is that he did inherit Zach Thomas and other quality, experienced returning starters. So we're going to learn a lot about the Mountaineers, man. When I asked the question, who's the best football team in the state to start the season – some people said App State. Some people said Wake Forest. Some people said NC State. Some people said, uh, you know, Duke or, or the, not many said the Tar Heels at the time, but some are starting to believe in that Carolina. Um, that matchup is one we're really looking forward to. We're bringing the big tailgate tour to Boone at the end of this month uh, as well. So we'll get the, I think we'll get the Mountaineers on back-to-back weekends. And one of the reasons I'm excited about it is to watch him play. He, he's a big-time player. You know, could be the player of the year in the Sun Belt Conference. And if you're the player of the year in a conference at the FBS level, you know, you're a candidate. But I agree with your original assessment. It's going to be really hard. If he somehow, way, got into the mix, then, of course, what's going to be under the most scrutiny? How does he do against teams from Power 5 leagues? Um, and he'll, he'll get those opportunities that you mentioned. So it's, it's kind of under the radar for folks outside of North Carolina, maybe even many within North Carolina, but that is one heck of a QB. We've got a bunch of them now, actually. Sam Howell, the freshman, starts for the Tar Heels tonight in Winston-Salem. If you haven't seen, Jamie Newman started at the end of last year for Wake, full-time starter now. His backup, Sam Hartman's a good player who started last year, although they may be redshirting him this year. So you got Jamie Newman versus Sam Howell. You get Matthew McKay of NC State, his biggest test. West Virginia's not great this year. They just got crushed at Missouri 38-7 last week in a Big 12 game. So it's not your typical West Virginia game. Their coach has left. You know, Will Greer is now with the Carolina Panthers, and a lot of their other best players have moved on. But it is a Power 5 opponent. It's more of a challenge than Western Carolina was, obviously, last week. So we'll learn more about Matthew McKay this week. We'll learn more about Quentin Harris at Duke this week. The Devils are at Middle Tennessee. We'll learn more about Holton Aylers this week, right? The Pirates quarterback goes to Navy. That is a potentially winnable game as they start their AAC schedule. Uh, App, again, is off this week. But if you get a chance, check out their quarterback, Zach Taylor. He is a big-time player and fun to watch. 1-800-849-2761. Al is in Burlington and next on the David Glenn Show. Yes, this is Al Van in Burlington. Yeah, man. And I have uh, a lot of things. The the fullback. The the Panthers didn't even use a fullback. They leave McCaffrey and there's a block from their star to block for Cam. That's ridiculous. Yeah. We got three fullbacks or three running backs. One of them should have been in there. They have a, they have a guy named Alex Arma that they keep exactly for that reason. He is a fullback. He's a heck of a blocker. He's a huge body. And we did not see him very often last night. Right. And he could have been in that game for the final 18 inches 
to, to run, to get at least one yard. So I think that was a big mistake by the coach. And and then uh, our, uh, uh, what do you call it? But uh, number 60, Barrett for uh, the uh, uh, Tampa Bay. He got three sacks. Oh, number d- yeah. Number 60 is Daryl Williams. That's the Panthers' starting left tackle. And he had a nightmare evening last night at the hands of Shaq Barrett was the uh, Bucks outside linebacker who just turned Daryl Williams into a turnstile. And whereas I, I see your point on the fullback, a bigger problem is that the Panthers just are not getting pushed from their offensive line. Why didn't, Nerv tur- tor- why didn't Norv Turner, the offensive coordinator, feel like he could get a yard just going up the middle behind Alex Arma or otherwise? Well, because the Buccaneers' defensive line was pushing around the Panthers' offensive line for a big chunk of last night's action. 1-800-849-2761. More phone calls on the other side. I have circled a handful of NFL games most worth watching. Late Sunday afternoon, New Orleans at the Rams. They both won their openers. Also a late game, the Chiefs at the Raiders. I don't expect a lot from Oakland, but they did win last week, and Kansas City certainly provides a good litmus test. Dallas goes to Washington. Some think Jay Gruden is fighting for his job, not this week, but this season. Seattle's at Pittsburgh. Minnesota's at Green Bay. I look forward to Sunday night football on NBC with my 1-0 Eagles taking on the NFC South resident Atlanta Falcons they started with an 0 and 1 they lost at Minnesota last week so the Falcons want to avoid that 0 and 2 start just like the Bucks and the Panthers were playing for their lives last night everybody knows even if you don't know the numbers it's just hard to dig out of 0 and 2 and 8 out of every 9 teams that start over 0 and 2 miss the playoffs that's what the last 2 years of history tell tell us one out of 20 years rather uh 2 decades of history one out of every nine teams that starts 0-2 ends up making the postseason. Can the Panthers be that rarity? We'll see. Long way to go. The Arizona Cardinals in Arizona are next up for your Panthers. 1-800-849-2761. All of our week's guests are in the books. Cruiser, Cooper, Sam, and others want to steer our ship. Maybe more football. Maybe more Cam Newton. Maybe taking us elsewhere. The boxing world. The golf world. The NASCAR world. The hockey world. Major League Baseball. The World Cup of Basketball. College Hoops was in the headlines last night. It's all fair game. Tory Smith, Kevin Keats, Antonio Brown, among those in the breaking news of earlier today. You can chime in with your question, comment, or complaint at 1-800-849-2761. Next on The David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn dookies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by 100. You're in fantasy land if you ever think MC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can steer our ship. Kevin Keats has a new contract all the way through 2026 as the NC State men's basketball coach, just announced earlier today. The Super Bowl champion wide receiver, Torrey Smith, not long ago cut by your Carolina Panthers, announced his retirement on his Instagram account earlier today. Sean Livingston, most recently of the Golden State Warriors, a three-time NBA champion, announced his retirement earlier today. And according to ESPN and others, Antonio Brown will not be suspended, at least for now, will not be put on the commissioner's exempt list, at least for now. 
they are going to talk to Brittany Taylor, the woman who filed the lawsuit against Antonio Brown, his former trainer, former college colleague. She is unavailable for interviewing until next week, and that pushes back the timetable for the NFL and how it may or may not discipline Antonio Brown in that case that's been running through this week's headlines. The Patriots, remember, are at Miami. The Patriots can still deactivate Antonio Brown for any reason discipline or he doesn't know the offense well enough or he's a distraction or whatever or they can play him against the Dolphins in a game where the Patriots are favored last I saw about like 18 or 19 points it's one of the bigger lines that you will see in any NFL weekend back to your calls questions comments and complaints of course there's a lot of misery across our state the Panthers are 0-2 Cam Newton is 0-8 in his last eight starts Tampa wins 20 to 14. Lots of missed opportunities by the offense. They generated only four field goals and the safety, of course, generated by the defense. That ain't going to get it done, even against a team that is was projected for last in the NFC South. You're going to need more than that. So it's Tampa that emerges at 1-1. One one. It's the Panthers who fall to 0-2 as they get ready to head to Arizona next week. Starting point for me, Cam is throwing very, very poorly, and they're not even asking him to run hardly at all. That ain't going to work. Meanwhile, Tampa pushed around in the trenches the Carolina Panthers. Not a night and day difference, but who could run it a little bit? Peyton Barber and the Bucks. Christian McCaffrey couldn't get anything going. Who could stop the run? Yeah, it was the Bucks winning the battle in the trenches. Who harassed the opposing quarterback more? It was the Bucks getting to Cam Newton, sacking him, harassing him, hitting his arm, putting him under pressure. The Carolina Panthers did not generate a single turnover with their defense. They did some good things. I mean, they only gave up 20 points, right? James Bradbury shut down Mike Evans for the most part. Luke Keekley had another 15-plus tackle game. There were some good things by the defense. But the offense was bad. Cam was bad. And this team is not good enough in other places to make up for those kinds of shortcomings. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Mark is in Apex and next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, DG. Hey, man. What's going Hope on? Hope you're doing well. Yeah. Um, we got a question about the uh, the college program as far as uh, basketball in the World Cup. I think we should – the question, do you think we should go back to college players, top elite, top, top elite college players now, being back on the team? It's a great question because we used to do that, but the rest of the world was using their pros, and we got tired of losing to the pros, so we said, hey, why don't we create a dream team? And famously, we did that, and then there was dream team two, and we not only won the gold every time, we annihilated everybody every time. The world has changed since 1992, so that the guys in the NBA you're asking to represent their country, uh, and I'm going back and forth on my ultimate answer to your question, Mark, maybe you are as well. I don't feel bad asking these guys to represent their country, but I understand the dynamics have changed, right? If you're LeBron James, as he got older, and there's a lot of tread off that tire, and he's trying to serve at the time the Cleveland Cavaliers, now the L.A. Lakers, he loves Mike Krzyzewski, right? He helped bring USA Basketball back where Coach K wanted it to be, and they won gold medals together. But LeBron got to the point where he's like, man, I make the playoffs every year. I'm getting older. I've got a load management issue here, and I can't take my precious offseason and now throw that in. You know, every four years there's a World Cup. Every four years there's an Olympics. So that's at least every other year, and there are secondary competitions. He's, he basically said, 
I gave to my country. I brought us back to gold medal. I didn't think he was being unpatriotic in 2016 to sell to tell Coach K, hey, man, I was there when you needed me. We've won a lot of gold together. Is it okay if we pass the torch to the next generation? And Coach K was on board. And, of course, they won it again in 2016 without LeBron. So it's not like you need every NBA player to say yes. You can still use pros, still dominate the world. You and are the uh, – the USA team has been ranked number one in men's basketball in the FIBA rankings virtually for you know three decades in a row. I mean, they're almost always number one. In fact, when the World Cup is decided on uh, Sunday, it'll be number two in the world, Spain, against number five in the world, Argentina. They won their semifinal games earlier today. So USA is playing for seventh place against Poland because our C team lost to both France and Serbia earlier in the tournament. I don't want to give up, Mark. Maybe you're ready to pull the trigger and just use college guys again. I don't want to give up on the pros until I hear more feedback. Because remember, one of the reasons that Larry Brown failed to win a gold medal was because so many guys said no. What was that, 2004? One of the reasons Coach K didn't win a gold at the 2006 World Cup was that so many guys said no. And he was there with good players, but really young players, like 20-year-old and 21-year-old. And he didn't win the gold. And it always comes back to that. As much as I give coaches like Kay and Greg Popovich a lot of credit because they deserve it, it starts with the players. And when Kay has an A, an a team, he gets gold every time. And when he got a B team, he got less than gold. And Greg Popovich couldn't even matter, man, manage a medal this time. So I don't want to give up on the NBA guys entirely yet, but I want to hear from them. You know, if you're injured, of course, you don't have to explain anything. Kevin Durant is hurt right now. Klay Thompson is hurt right now. They didn't have an option to represent their country in the World Cup. So, of course, we push all them to the side. There are some aging players who want to pass the torch. I can't say I'll really blame LeBron for not wanting to play in the World Cup, right, and, and some of the other older players. But Jerry Colangelo, did you see these, this, Mark? He's the director of USA Basketball. Of the 35 players they hand-selected for the talent pool, 31 ended up not playing for Team USA. And, of course, only a few of them were injury-related. Some, somebody has a personal issue, you, you understand. You know, your wife is seriously ill or you have a problem with your child, whatever. Life happens, and we understand. But when 31 of the 35 requests, four of the original 35 folks in the talent pool, ended up representing our country in this World Cup. That's why we finished 7th or 8th. Greg Popovich did not stop being a basketball genius overnight. He's still a heck of a coach. When Kay had a lesser team, Kay won less. When Popovich has a lesser team, I would argue a C team, he won less. You know, France and Serbia has had as many all-NBA teams on their rosters as the Americans did. That's crazy. It's not like we don't have more talent than the rest of the world. We do. So... I mean, what's the old saying? Whenever in doubt, follow the money. For anyone wondering, you don't get mega dollars from your country to play in the Olympics or the World Cup. You get a stipend. You can win extra bonuses for medal performances. But, you know, a lot of those Olympians in the lower-profile sports, they're not making money. You know, the, the snowboarder, the skier, they're not making money because they're being paid by the U.S. Skiing Federation. They're making money because there's a bonus for the medal, and then all of their sponsors are excited about pairing up with a gold medal winner. You know, Lindsey Vaughn or somebody else, right? They're not making money from their country playing in the World Cup or the Olympics. So for those wondering, you are asking in some cases dudes making 20 to 30 or more million dollars a year 
not quite for free, but to take up a chunk of their offseason to represent the country in the World Cup or the Olympics, you know, every four, every two years when you combine them. That's a tricky ask, as the saying goes. I don't want to give up on the idea of the pros going. You know, Rudy Gobert is an all-NBA player for the Utah Jazz. When his country of, of France asked him to play, he said yes. When no, no, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jokic, one of the best players, also an all NBA guy. He's from Serbia. Serbia asks him to play. He says yes. So there were 15 all NBA guys, right? Five men on a team, three teams. 11 were Americans, four were not Americans. So Joel Embiid's country didn't make the World Cup, so he didn't have an opportunity to play for Cameroon, I think it is. The other three international dudes were asked to play for their countries, and all three said yes. They have long seasons. Most of them have post-seasons, right? They get older. They have load management issues, but they wanted to represent their country. So the three internationals who could all said yes. Of the 11 Americans, only one said yes. So you have a cultural issue there. Again, KD was hurt, right? Kemba was the only all-NBA guy out of the 11 all-NBA Americans who said yes to Team USA and Jerry Colangelo and Greg Popovich. And... When your opponents have enough NBA players that are saying yes, you know, Serbia and France started five NBA guys each. France and or, uh, Spain and Argentina playing for the title have NBA presence. Mark Gasol is actually may go from win, winning an NBA title with the Toronto Raptors to winning a World Cup gold medal as the star big man for Spain. You know, Pau Gasol used to lead Spain to some other titles back in the day. So, it's, it's not like we're the only t- country anymore that can f- have all five guys on the court NBA caliber guys. Those days are over. The, other, the rest of the world has not caught us, not even close. Our, team, our A team still crushes everybody else's A team. Our B team, maybe, maybe not. Our C team, definitely not. And we just saw our C team in China at the World Cup. I'm not ready to turn the page to college players, but Coach K – instigated a cultural conversation when the americans failed to win gold in 2004 he jerry colangelo and others had this come to jesus kind of conversation with the nba stars of the time what are we not giving you what would motivate you to participate how can we make it better for you and sure enough participation rates went up more stars said yes and by 08, they won the gold. And by 12, they won the gold again. And by 16, they won the gold again. And maybe they'll be favored next year, assuming in 2020 more of these guys say yes. They don't view the World Cup in the same starry-eyed way that they view the Olympics. It's the opposite of soccer. In soccer, the World Cup is number one. In basketball, the World Cup's kind of the second most important international event. So will more of the superstars say yes for Team USA next year at the Summer Olympics? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they'll be mad that the Americans embarrassed themselves in China. Um, I'm not saying no to your idea of going back to using amateurs slash college guys, but uh, I'm not ready to turn that page just yet. Jimmy Buffett always takes us into the weekend with a song we call Lovely Cruise. I will have final thoughts, TV picks. There may be more time for phone calls as well. Speaking of amateurs, did you know that there is a law on the California governor's desk? already signed by that state's other legislatures that would change the way college sports works for the California schools. If the governor signs this into law, and it's on his desk right now, 
California schools would not be allowed to prohibit their athletes from taking money for their name, image, likeness, et cetera. Now, that's against NCAA rules. So what happens? What if you're a university in California? You know if you allow your athletes to take that stuff, in the eyes of the NCAA, they're jeopardizing their amateur status. Like, what's the, what are you going to do? Follow the California law, but have all your players ineligible? Or if the law says the NCAA is not allowed to punish you for allowing those players to take that money, Will you have a huge advantage over every other school in the other 49 states where it's still against NCAA rules? It's a quagmire. Final thoughts, TV picks as we head into the weekend and as we're halfway to Margaritaville. Next. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. It's a little song called Lovely Cruise by the one and only Jimmy Buffett. We try to make it something of a sports-oriented Lovely Cruise for you five days a week. We appreciate you putting up with us on our bad days if we steer you into the rocks, celebrating the good days when they come one by one. Great football weekend ahead at the NFL level. Not as many tasty treats in college football. But if you're a golf fan, believe it or not, the PGA Tour is back. If you're a NASCAR fan, the playoffs have begun. If you're a hockey fan, training camps are underway. If you're a boxing fan, Tyson Fury defends his heavyweight boxing title tomorrow night against Otto Wallin of Sweden. Wonder if he knows Nikki Wallin, former Kane. Not sure. The World Cup will come to an end as we play for seventh place against Poland. Enjoy the football. We'll be back Monday. Charles Hadley and I appreciate him filling in for the rock star partying at the beach, Darren Vaught. Enjoy your family, your friends, your football, and more. We hope to see you Monday, noon to 3, right here on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.